1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. We've been uh, in this series for a while now on faith and prayer, and I think to a lot of people, prayer is a chore, or it's something they don't expect to get anything out of anyway. We left off last Wednesday talking about how Jesus had no sense of need, and there was always a sureness about him in what he did. But if he is in me, and if he is for me, and if I have his word abiding in me, well, then there ought to be a sureness about my walk. Amen. You know, I shouldn't live my life like some unseeing person walking down the hall and feeling the wall. There sh- I, should, uh, I should have a sureness about myself. And we left off with Isaiah 41.10, whenever we feel like being discouraged, his word whispers to us from Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We left off talking about how that fear is a weapon and a tool of the devil. And if it has anything to do with fear, it's not, it's not God. And I'm not sure if I gave you the uh, Kenneth Hagin quote last Wednesday or not. Faith is taking God at his word. Fear is taking man at his word. And uh, so when you believe man over God, well, you're going to be fearful. When you believe God over man, you're going to be full of faith. Amen. So this word is mine. I'm talking about Isaiah 41.10. So I can fearlessly take up the task before me. I don't have to live my life in fear. It doesn't matter what somebody's saying. Unconsciously, I'm living in his presence. I'm walking in his presence. His eyes of love are upon me all the time. And he and I are working together. We're carrying out his will in partnership together. Say it out loud. I'm working together together. with the Lord. Amen. And, and that's why tithing is so important because how many of God's people don't ever have, they live their whole lives and they don't ever have a sense that they're working with God. When, when you are about God's business, God's about your business. And when, when you are a tither, you, you make God your partner. And that's true if, you're, if you own your own business, but it's also true if you're just working a J-O-B. God has got a vested interest in your success. But how many people have never come to that sweet place? This is why prayer is a means of communication between Father God and the believer. So it's not a slavish duty. It's not a difficult task. It's not hard work. It's not a burden. It's not a pain. Amen. Amen. He and I are working together. Say it out loud. He and I are working together. He and I are working together. So sonship without fellowship 
neither satisfies the heart of the father nor of the child, the believer. Fellowship, we're going to be talking about fellowship and relationship tonight. Fellowship must be based upon absolutely sure ground so the child, that's us, may know that he can go into the father's presence with the same freedom that your child can enter your presence. Fellowship cannot be based upon grounds of pity or sufferance, but on the ground of love and relationship. I think the, I think the main thing that drew me to the faith message was not the theology of it or the success and the prosperity I saw in it. I think the main thing that drew me to the faith message was that the very concept, the very idea that God was willing to share because I didn't know that growing up. I mean, I saw money around me. And it really wasn't until later in life that it began to dawn on me that that maybe some of the people that showed interest in me in my high school years were showing interest in me because my father was a Ford dealer. The thought never occurred to me because we didn't have anything. I mean, I didn't have anything. And, uh, you know, we had a deal that if I wanted to borrow money on a car, he'd give me half the money. He'd lend me half the money. They'd give me nothing. He'd lend me half the money. And I, my first car was a 68 Firebird. But when I was going to college, it was the end of the real Mustangs. They came out with a Mustang too, but that, uh, hopefully that's so old, nobody's driving that, so... You won't be offended by me saying that's not a real Mustang. In fact, I don't even know if that qualifies as a real automobile. <laughs> but it was 73, I think it was, the end of the, the Mustangs. And my dad's partner had a, a, a Mach 1. And because it was my dad's partner, man, it had everything. And it was fire engine red with a black interior, black stripes. I mean, you know, tricked out. And I wanted to buy it because it was the end. There were no more, no Mus. And it was $3,200. And my dad said, uh, well, have you got 1600 I said, no. I said, I got about 1000 He said, well, too bad. So that's, you know, when I, when I began hearing these great men talk about faith and father, that's what hooked me. It wasn't the success and the money and, you know, it wasn't, I mean, I was a young man. I didn't need healing. It wasn't healing that drew me. What was it drew me? The whole idea of a father. That's what pulled me in. That's what wrote me in. And then because I'm a student, you know, I'm not your typical dumb bunny preacher. Uh, you know, when I studied the word of God, I saw that this is all over the New Testament. And especially when I went over here to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and started taking a required courses in Greek, two years of Greek, you know, it, it actually studying the Greek helps you see faith in the New Testament. My gosh. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. But actually in the Greek it reads, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. See, that, that, that to me was mesmerizing. I want that kind of faith. Amen. Amen. I, I don't want the kind of I don't want to I don't want the kind of theology where I got to take what they're handing out. Amen. You know, if somebody if somebody says I can have the God kind of faith, we dealt with that. Did we deal with that Sunday? The the kind of faith God has. Now I only have a measure of it. 
So I can't stand here tonight and speak worlds into existence. I've only got a measure of it. But now he gave me permission to, to grow my measure. So I have a measure, but I don't have to sit here and do nothing with my measure and keep, with, keep trying to make it through life with the same measure. I can grow my measure, and I can grow my measure by taking action on the faith I already have, releasing the faith I already have. Amen. So that's what, that's what pulled me in. That's what, that's what mesmerized me. Amen. And then, I don't know if anybody wonders about me or not. If you do, let me just make it plain. Well, that's why I can't be controlled because, see, I connected to God. And once you connect to God and you know how to get your prayers answered, ain't nobody going to push you around. It just can't happen. When you realize God is your source and you, you learn how to pray and you go to God and you get answers, man's not going to come along and scare you because you realize that man's not your source. You know, God is your source. Amen? So, Father, my, Father God is love and he has given us his love nature so our fellowship with him is it's a relationship based on love. It's not a relationship based on fear, although I fear him. You know, I, I hate to even talk like this, but it's true. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm betwixt and between, and I'm conflicted all the time. I fear him. Absolutely. I do. Amen. But that doesn't mean I'll walk around afraid. In other words, the fear of the Lord is not the same thing as being afraid. The fear of the Lord means you just don't do certain things and you just don't cross certain lines and you just don't treat people any old way because you have the fear of the Lord in you. But that doesn't mean we walk around afraid. Those are different issues. The Word teaches us how to maintain our fellowship with Him. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, and somebody might say, well, how do you know that's for believers? Because at the beginning of 1 John, he, he was writing to believers, to the brethren. And so we know from the Word of God how to restore, how to get back into restored fellowship if we get outside of fellowship. Fellowship with the Father is at the heart of a prayer life. There's nothing like it. I don't even know, I don't even know how people make it without praying. Because I'll be outside praying. I try not to go back in the house because once I break the rhythm, then I don't know, somehow it takes longer. But almost every day, not every day, but almost every day, I'll be praying about this and he'll talk to me about that. And a lot of times he gives me ideas. Uh, a lot of times, he tells me about mistakes I've made uh, in a letter I wrote or a spreadsheet that I have. I mean, it's astounding. I don't know how people live without praying. It's amazing. There would be no way to quantify how many mistakes in life I have avoided by praying. And, and if you're here tonight and single, well, uh, golly, 
I think I'd develop a prayer life just to avoid that mistake. So, see, because you can buy the wrong house and, well, you can fix it up and sell it. And you can buy the wrong car and, you know, you can drive it a year and hate it and trade it. But, you know, man, you, you marry the wrong person. That's an issue. Amen. So it'd be, better, it'd be better to develop a prayer life and avoid all of those issues. Amen. And it's by his written word that we know our legal rights. So, but it's obvious to me, most people, and no offense to anybody here tonight, but it's obvious to me, most people don't read the Bible because if they read the Bible, they wouldn't do certain things. If they read the Bible, they wouldn't be so gullible. The Bible, when, when you read the Bible, the Bible sharpens your BS meter. And when you're, when, you, when you're out and about and somebody lies to you, you'll know it just from reading the Bible. So when, when Christians get caught, when they get scammed, uh, when they get manipulated, they're, they're not reading the Bible. If our fellowship has been broken, it shatters our faith and it fills us with fear and dread. And I, I think that that's where a lot of this fear amongst believers come from. Let me tell you what. We have friends that, let me back up. There's a famous preacher and he repaid all of the money he borrowed last year. And it makes me wonder because then I read about a city here in Texas and they sent the money back because they wouldn't say what the government wanted said on this virus. And then that made me wonder, well, what kind of fine print was in all that money and these churches took all that money and then why did this famous preacher repay that great big loan from last year? In other words, maybe they, don't, maybe, maybe they thought, well, you know, we'll pay free money, but then a year later it dawns on them, well, we're, we're going to be pawns here. We're going to be servants. And so... But, but anybody who goes down this road, I'm talking about leadership. I'm not talking about people, folks. I'm talking about somebody who's supposed to be a leader, somebody who's supposed to be a, a minister of the gospel. It's getting to the point where it's frightening. Are they dishonest or are they ignorant or are they... I think a lot of it is they're fearful. And I think the reason they're fearful is because they're not praying. They're not, they're not reading the Word of God. Was it Elijah or Elisha? Over there in Samaria, they were under siege and they were eating their children. Now, I know you all think, you know, you're so sophisticated that you know, you, you would never succumb to any situation that would be, they were eating their excrement. And, and I know people think, well, you know, that, that could never happen. Well, see, you don't understand physiology and biology because uh, this drive is, is greater than even a sex drive, the drive to survive, to eat. And so they're over there in Samaria under siege from the Assyrians and there was no more brutal people than the Assyrians. Somebody might think, well, the Romans were pretty brutal. Yeah, but the Assyrians, when they conquered a, sound, when they conquered a town, they would cut the pregnant women open. They were brutal. And that was the, 
that was the nation that had Samaria under siege. And they're over there in Samaria. They're, they're eating their children. And uh, I think it was Elisha. He's with the prophets of God sitting in his living room reclining. See, but it's, it's just... Uh, Somebody might say, well, you just can't believe it's perspective. Yeah, I do. I do. And then also being led by the Lord, because if, if Samaria is going to come under siege and, and, and you're being led by the Lord, well, you're not going to be there when the bad stuff happens. Amen? Amen. You're going to be somewhere else. You're going, to, you're going to be out in the country reclining in your living room. Amen? When all that bad stuff goes down. No, fear, fear is a tool of the Satan. And I think we got here because uh, God's people weren't reading the Bible. God's people weren't praying. I could go down this path, but I'm going to stop. So then maintaining our fellowship with the Father is one of the most important disciplines of the spiritual life. And there are disciplines to the spiritual life. But of course, people don't know about that either because people don't know about disciplines in general. Discipline. Disciplines. You know, part of me just wants to go and find a place and hide. Not because I'm afraid, but just simply because, you know, the culture has gone so far south that you wonder... uh, a friend asked me the other day, do you ever stand up and wonder if anybody's listening? I said, all the time. <laughs> you know? And uh, disciplines. You know, I'm reading today about put on the full armor of God. I'm reading today about uh, don't give place to the devil. These are all disciplines. Amen. These are all disciplines. What we, what we stick in our mouth, you know, that's a discipline. What comes out of our mouth, that's a discipline. That's the biggest discipline of life. Amen. Amen. Jesus said it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean. It's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. And the number one thing coming out that makes us unclean is, you know, what comes out of our mouth. So we're talking about relationship and fellowship. Father God has two great objectives in his you see how I just moved off of that thing of disciplines. I, yeah, no point going there. I, I, want, I want more people here next Wednesday night, so I'm just going to slide off of that. Amen. Father God had two great objectives in his plans for man's redemp- redemption. The first was relationship. The cross of Christ and man's re- recreation in Christ was God working to make man legally his child, a partaker of his very own nature, so that recreated man would be a genuine heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And the second objective was to restore man to his place, his lost fellowship, his place of fellowship, his lost fellowship with Father God. Look, let's look at Genesis 3, verses 8 to 11. Genesis 3, 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God. This is after they have sinned. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? 
So for however many days Adam and Eve were in the garden before they fell, and it was probably just a matter of days. I think we like to romanticize it and think, you know, they were there a year or two or three. Well, we know from physiology and biology they weren't there long. I'm not trying to be vulgar, but you think God makes ugly stuff? I mean, (laughs) whatever beautiful woman you think you have ever seen, well, Eve had to be a thousand times that because she was handmade by God. So don't be telling me they were in that garden a long time. (laughs) They were probably there for days. And so God was in the habit of walking with them and fellowshipping with them in the cool of the morning. And that is what Father God wants. That's what Father God has always wanted. See, he, we don't see, we don't see ourselves as he sees us. We see ourselves as uh, the way people see us or the way relatives see us. We don't see ourselves the way he sees us. You know, if, if, I, uh, if I croaked tonight, crossed over, I'd be thinking about eating lunch with Emma. Emma is, Emma is like the connoisseur of cheeseburgers uh, and, and sitting there and eating lunch with Emma and, and and Riley or, you know, sitting there on Sunday and, and uh, sitting there with Austin's children. That's what I'd be thinking about. We're his. We're his children. And all he wants to do is spend time with us. He wants to fellowship with us. Now, there's a mission. There's a purpose. There's a job. Sure. But how's the mission and the purpose and the job ever going to happen if we don't spend time with him beforehand? And then two, I I don't know what people think because I don't ask. You know, the thing I I discovered about three decades back is if you ask people what they think, well, then you're obliged to listen. (laughs) But I don't know what people think. Do people ever wonder how I can move with such certainty in a service? Based on what I heard, do I, I wonder, do people wonder that? Well, I'll tell you how it is. It's from spending all this time with him. I know his voice. I know when he's speaking to me. I, I know exactly what he's saying. Now, he's not talking all the time, but when he, when he speaks, I know that voice. And then I know with absolute certainty that if I'll follow that voice, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to a good place. I'm not going to end up in the ditch. And, and that's not all of it. That's not all of it. You know, like following the leading of the Holy Spirit Sunday, people came out and fellowship atrium and told me how they'd been healed. And I'm grateful for anybody being delivered from suffering in their body. God doesn't, the will of God is not that anybody suffers in their body, but you know, there's more to it than that. There's, 
There, there's the people, the individuals. Are they following instructions? Are they believing God? Are they saying what they want instead of saying what they fear? And there's, there's a lot of variables going on, but I'm happy. I'm happy that people are being healed. I'm happy. Sure beats what's going on in the world. Amen. And I'm happy that we're open, and I'm happy that we're winning people to Jesus, and I'm happy that people are being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I'm happy that people are being healed. Seems to be kind of counterculture, doesn't it? Amen. But it all has happened by following the leading of the Holy Spirit. But if we don't spend time in prayer, my point is, if we don't spend time in prayer, how are we going to know His voice to have enough confidence to follow his voice. We're talking about fellowship. Job 33, 26, he prays to God and finds favor with him. He sees God's face and shouts for joy. He is restored by God to his righteous state. The oldest book in the Bible, and it's there, that he is restored. Man is restored by God to his righteous state. We can't save ourselves. We cannot make ourselves righteous. Only God can do this. There can be no fellowship unless man can stand in the presence of God without the consciousness of guilt or sin or inferiority. I remember many years ago hearing Kenneth Hagin say, call God his best friend. And I, I thought, I remember thinking, man, I don't know that I'd go that far. But he is. He should be. There's no, there can be no fellowship of the type that the Father craves unless man is utterly free from sin consciousness and free from the fear of Satan's dominion. And that's another level of faith to come to where you're just not afraid of the devil. Amen. So the whole redemptive process has been designed so Father God might have children and so that these children should live in the closest fellowship of love and freedom with himself. And that's why it's critical how we treat our children. Amen. You know, it's horrifying the way people treat their children. Sonship then must be based on legal grounds. See, it's all, it's, all about, it's all about the legality. And if you don't understand that, well, you don't understand God. It had to be done legally. We live in a culture where everything, everybody thinks things ought to be free, and they think their salvation's free. Your salvation is not free, and your freedom as an American citizen isn't free. Somebody paid a high price for it. And Jesus paid a high price for your salvation. See, what the, the, I, I can't get into all of that tonight, but he, paid, he took the penalty. So it's not, that the, it's not that we skated on the penalty. He took the penalty. God himself took the penalty. The sin problem has to be settled on legal grounds so that God can have a perfect right to impart to man his own nature, thereby making this man an absolute new creation in Christ Jesus. See, I don't think we've really comprehended it, that we're not what we were. Satan's always reminding us. I mean, he does, doesn't he? He reminds us about stuff we've done in the past. Well, that person's dead. Amen. They're gone. They're in the grave. Amen. The sin in man's nature must be driven out by the nature of God coming in. I just read that a, a, a week or two ago. You cast a devil out, and the devil goes and finds other devils, comes back and finds the house swept and cleaned, but it's not occupied. 
So we have to spend enough time with God. We've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've got to spend enough time with God. We've got to, we've got to get word into us that we can't let the devil come and find an unoccupied house because he'll move right in. His spirit must be, man's spirit must be in perfect harmony with the Father. Man is a spirit. Man is a spirit. Say it out loud. I am a spirit. I, am a spirit. I, have, a soul, I have a soul. And I live in a body. body. Say, I'm not a body. Man is a spirit. The part of man that had to be recreated was the spirit of man. Man's mind was not recreated. And so man's mind needs to be renewed by the word of God. And man's body was not recreated. And so man's body has to be brought into subjection to the word of God. Let's go to Romans 8 and we'll finish the evening in Romans 8. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Say it out loud. In Christ Jesus. Because through, Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. So we have a part to play. We just can't keep living like we were living. Verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the na that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. You understand? I mean, I want to be a success as much as anybody. I do. But, you know, it's just, the, it's just the reality of it. You know, people come and then people go. And the trick to the game is to... Like Jadon George used to say, you know, is to have more people coming than people going. But it's amazing. It's amazing to me when I find out why people go. It's amazing to me. Drinking just blows my mind. And the big one, of course, is money. That blows my mind, too. See, here I come tonight, and, I, and I'm just a preacher. Tell you remember, he's just a, he's just a preacher. See, so I come tonight, and, and I've got a tithe for $65,000 to cover three weeks. And so when I hear people quit because of tithing, I'm thinking, see, it was only 32 years ago that we didn't hardly have anything. And the Lord spoke to me in prayer and said, son, you never have any money because you never save any money. He said, save something every seven days, even if it's just $5, save, save, save something every seven days at home and in the church. And so I just started taking action. Now, there was no way 32 years ago I could have seen, <laughs> I could have seen this. Now, you tell me if that's what it says. There's no way I could have seen that. That's the way it works. 
Amen. See, in other words, well, I just don't see it. Well, that, that, yeah, that's it, man. See, I don't need to see it when I can see the Bible. And, and you could sit there tonight and say, well, I just don't think I'll ever get there. Well, according to your faith, will it be done unto you? Right. <laughs> you know, if I sat in church here tonight and I was a young man, I'd think, hot D-A-M-N, I'm going to get started. <laughs> That's what I'd be thinking. <laughs> because God's no respecter of persons. The people, you know. It's got to be the number one reason people leave. It just amazes me. Drinking and no tithing. Don't you understand? That kind of goes together. And then how about the way Billy Sunday, forget about even Kenneth Hagin, how about just the way Billy Sunday used to teach prosperity? Billy Sunday was her a famous, famous, famous baseball player. And when he was done playing baseball, he became a preacher. He was a famous preacher. He had the biggest crowds in, in America in his day. He started out preaching in Salvation Army meetings while he was still a baseball player. But the way he taught prosperity wasn't based on faith at all. The way Billy Sunday taught, taught prosperity was preaching in Salvation Army meetings, if you just took your cigarette money and you just took your beer money and you just took your whiskey money and you, and you saved that money and you invested that money, by itself that would make you wealthy. Right? Oh, no, 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 no. We'd rather send our women out to work at night on the second shift. Some of you haven't got past the idea that I could have bought a 1973 Mach 1 for $3,200. <laughs> See, that's why you need more money all the time. I mean, back before the inauguration, I filled up one of Sue's vehicles and I paid $1.89 a gallon. Uh, the other morning, two mornings ago, I think it was, or three mornings ago, I filled up one of her vehicles and it was $3.19 a gallon. So we got to have more all the time. I read an article today, just from August of 2020 to August of 2021, real estate prices in America are up 20%, 20, 20, 20, 20 not, not tw two, 20. <laughs> so you got to have more money all the time. And I don't know about you, but I'm not smart enough to do it. So I need an edge. And I, I found the secret. You know, if nobody wants to believe me, it doesn't bother me, but I found the secret, and that is this. I just get some God on what I'm doing. I'm good. Because I, if I get some God on what I'm doing, I can make it. And then also, if I get some God on what I'm doing, I don't have to be afraid. Amen. Amen. Verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set. on what the, that nature desires. Can't anybody figure it out? Can't you figure it out? Can't anybody that's left me that is watching maybe by mistake? <laughs> Can't you figure it out? Anybody at happy hour ain't got nothing? I mean, who needs two for one? They got nothing. They got nothing. 
and all the women are unhappy? And the reason women like to go drinking with other women is to find out what man may be coming loose. Because whatever man you're complaining about, there's 20 women that would take him in a heartbeat. If he's got a pulse, he's good to go. Job or no job. I mean, it's like the ultimate recycling. Loser men. Amen. What is it the world says? One, man's one woman's trash is another woman's treasure. There's always some dumb woman wants that guy. <laughs> Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set. See, I wonder, when, when's happy hour? What time? What time? What time? They have their minds set on what the sinful nature wants. You know, I could live 10,000 more years and the thought would never cross my mind. Uh, I want to go hang out with some losers. I want to go hang out with some unhappy people. And nobody figures out, right? Alcohol's a depressant. That's why when you're done drinking, you got to take speed. See? To bring you back up. Because alcohol's a depressant. I mean, if you don't feel bad, you go to drinking and you will feel bad. Now, I could ask for a show of hands here tonight because, I mean, I got a bunch of people could stand up and testify, and I'm not going to do that. But alcohol is a depressant. It's not an upper. It's a downer. So why would I do that? I mean, there's enough coming down the road that maybe, maybe might could make me feel down. Why would I add something to it to make me feel down on purpose? Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mindset. See, it's a mindset. And poverty is a mindset. Not enough's a mindset. It's a mindset. On what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Nobody in the history of man has ever said, I, I'm, I'm led by the Holy Ghost to go to the bar. I feel led by the Holy Ghost to text my drug dealer. I feel led by the Holy Ghost to, to go to a church where nothing is expected of me. It's never happened in the history of the world. So nobody ever stops to think, well, who's leading them? The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Verse 7, the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's word, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Now, there's people sitting here tonight, and while I'm reading this, you're thinking about, yeah, you know, so-and-so, and, you know, that person. Well, wait a minute. You sit there, and you do the same things. There's people right here, 
and, and you're thinking, yeah, Betty, you know, Pastor Gene, dish it out, but you're not walking in love. And that's the, that's the greatest commandment. See, if you're dishing out payback, you're walking by the flesh. Yeah, they're going to get theirs. That's not the spirit of God. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Verse 10, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers... We have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Say it out loud. Those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Now, let, me, let me just, man, make it plain. You know, nobody was ever led by the Holy Spirit of God to stay home and not work. Nobody was ever led by the Spirit. No man was ever led by the Spirit of God to not work and send the woman out to work. See, in a lot of, there's a caliber, there's a kind of Christian that if, that if, if he doesn't murder somebody or he doesn't, uh, you know, uh, advocate abortion he thinks he's good but Jesus talked about this repeatedly that if you don't bear fruit you'll be cut down and thrown into the fire and the apostle Paul said that if a man does not work that man ought not eat And so, you know, you got guys and they'll, they'll judge this and they'll judge that, but you know, they're not making a living. See, see how they, they, man, they just love this stuff. And they just, yeah, pastor. Yeah. And, and of course, now I'm not talking about somebody who is, uh, has a, you know, let's say they're overcoming something medically or let's say somebody that's retired. We've got people here tonight that are retired. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about if, if, you, if you need money and you are of a healthy body and you're not working, well, don't be telling me that you're being led by the Spirit of God. Tell your neighbor, he went to meddling now. <laughs> See? But see, see what we do. We judge, we judge that guy for using drugs, and we'll we'll judge that person for this, and we'll judge that person for that. But we don't want the light of the Word of God to be shown upon our own life, unproductive and unfruitful. Now I realize we can't all be productive and fruitful at the same level because we're different ages and we've been taking action on the Word of God at different levels and we have different education and we're in different careers and vocations. I understand all of that. But there's just no excuse. All right, I'll say it, but I'm going to leave the consequences with you, Father God. 
There's just no excuse for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks going by and somebody not giving a dime into the gospel. There's just no excuse for it. I mean, my God, you can go out and pretend you're a little girl in 2021 and and do a Kool-Aid stand. (laughs) Just put a little skirt on and, and, and... Open up a Kool-Aid stand. Come on. Amen. There's just no excuse for it. Well, I'm going to judge that person for this, and I'm going to judge that person for that. Well, yeah, but, you know, uh, how about not having a nickel in the gospel? Well, I don't have anything to, uh, to put in the gospel. Well, that, with all these companies and they can't hire anybody? I mean, they were telling me about a restaurant that can't even be open for lunch anymore because they can't hire the people. See, we like to think of, you know, and let me tell you what. You know, somebody walk in here with, you know, uh, tats and, and, and are you the kind of pe- person just judges somebody by the outward appearance? Oh, look at them. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. I'll tell that. I'm up there at I-30 and I start winning. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I have been a soul winner par excellence from the beginning. And I had a CPA want to meet me for lunch at Tippins. That should have been my tip off. Don't go there. <laughs> You know, uh, some cheap man want to meet me at Tippins. Well, anyway, you don't know what that is. It's a pie place. And uh, he said, well, I have some grave concerns about where the church is headed. I said, really? Oh, yes. I said, well, what are your concerns? Well, you know, my children are teenagers, and they're in the youth group. And he said, he said now, I don't, I don't mean... I don't mean to criticize because he says, I think it's really great that you're winning people to Jesus every Sunday. But he said, you know, a lot of these people you're winning to Jesus, you know, they're, they look like they're kind of like from some rough backgrounds. And that was all code to say black. And he said, and this, this is what they do to you. This is what they do to you. He says, you know, if, he says, you know, if, if things don't change, he said, I just don't know that I want my children around all that. He said, if, you know, if we don't go in a different direction as a church, he said, then, you know, we might have to, uh, to, to make a change. And I said, well, I think that's a great idea. I said, you ought to just take your lily white ass and get out of here. <laughs> and I started down a road, see? In other words, I didn't intend to go down that road. I just started down that road because I thought... See, but that's what I'm talking about tonight. People come in and they're judging this and they're judging that and they're judging, but they're not ever looking at themselves. They're not ever looking at themselves. And all of this, whatever you want to talk about, it's not about color. It's about behavior. Problems on color or nationality. It's all behavior. Somebody's behavior. He's watching right now. I think I think the kindest words I have maybe heard in my life 
I heard from a guy this year, and you'd be hard-pressed to have more tattoos than that guy. But the kindness and the love. You know, is Jesus in that person? That's what matters. Not the markings of the world out here. This is, this, this is not even who we are. This is just the house we live in. And people that have come out of rough backgrounds, well, they have more markings. But uh, it's not about that. It's about what's going on on the inside. See, one man, one man, he may, he may look like, you know, he's dressed and he's cool and he's got the degree and, and, you know, he's got the house and all of that. But, man, he's full of dead man's bones on the inside. He's, he's what Jesus called a sepulcher. That the, the, the house may look good, but on the inside, man, it's dead. And the reason the Lord led me down this road is because I'm reading in Romans 8, and I know there's people here, and they're, they're sitting here, you know, judging this and judging that, but they haven't looked at themselves. What, what do you have in your heart? And are you making a living for your family? I don't care what anybody says. It's a righteous thing for a man to make money for his family. Okay, let's go to 15 to 17 and wrap it up because I know you want it to wrap up. <laughs> Romans 8, 15 to 17, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. You receive the spirit of sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. He's our father. Say it out loud. He's my father. He's my father. And Lewis, anybody that had a real father knows, man, they'll correct you. Now, you might have had an absentee father or you could have had a baby daddy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a real father. A real father will correct you. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And a lot of what's going on right now is people doing everything they're doing to not suffer. their agreement with all the social agenda so they don't get ostracized. So it's the same problem we have when we supposedly get a Supreme Court uh, justice appointed and then we're so horrified at the way they vote once they get there, they want to be accepted on the cocktail circuit in Washington, D.C. And we got preachers and they want to be accepted. They, they don't want anybody hating on them. And so there's entire passages in the Bible that they just avoid. And if the Lord leads them to speak on something, they won't do it. Why? Fear. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. There's no excuse for it. You know, we have a pastor friend. He spent a week in jail in New Brunswick for holding church. And yet we have pastor, we have pastor acquaintances. They're not friends anymore. Uh, we have pastor acquaintances, and they're not holding church. I don't even want to know them. I mean, if I, if I ran into them somewhere, I'd be kind and gracious. I'd say, hey, how you doing? You know, and whatever, dude. And, uh, but, but I don't need to fellowship with that. 
because what's on them might get on me. Fear. Or wanting the approval of man. So I mentioned a few minutes ago that when we were born again, it was our spirit man that was recreated. Our, our bodies weren't recreated and our minds weren't recreated. That's why we have Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So tell your neighbor, you're supposed to do something with your body. Then verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And if you haven't figured it out, the pattern of the world keeps changing. And if you had made, I mean, think about it, think about it. Think about how the world has changed. There was this totally, completely immoral, ungodly Democrat president of the United States. It wasn't that long ago, but they passed a law under him called the Defense of Marriage Act. And he was completely immoral and ungodly. But they, him and his party passed the Defense of Marriage Act. I'm saying it's not a slippery slope. It is a, a, it's a ride at wet and wild. I mean, it's just down, 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 down. And if you've ever been on one of those rides, you get in, you can't stop. And, and, and deviancy is completely being rewritten every, every, about every 36 hours what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. I mean, p girls in public high school bathrooms being raped by boys, now that's acceptable. We have, a, we have another liberal ungodly president defended that just this week. And that if you're upset about that, well, you're just trying to engage in a false cultural war. Nobody ought to be worried about uh, girls being raped in bathrooms by boys in public schools. And, and if you dare now, if you dare even bring that up, the Department of Justice says you're a domestic terrorist. So my point is, if you're going to conform with the world, the, the conformity to the world changes every 36 hours because they keep, they keep redefining deviancy down, 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 down. There's no end to it. 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 And they're doing this in medicine right now. There's no end to it. They're not ever going to leave you alone. It won't go back to normal. Just have to make up your mind. You're not going to see the Eiffel Tower. You know, I told my family I'd rather see the inside of a... No, I said that Sunday in church. I'd rather see the inside of a Dairy Queen than to see the Eiffel Tower again. Somebody, somebody asked me where. I said anywhere. Anywhere there's a Dairy Queen. Control, manipulation. 
moving the goalposts. It never ends. Remember when they said that if the Supreme Court uh, legalized same-sex marriage, that'd be the end of it? That wasn't the end of it. That wasn't even the beginning of it. That wasn't even the beginning of the beginning of it. Because it's on and on and on and more and more and more. This is man. This is what man does. This, this is the pattern of this world. And you, th you say to yourself, I'll go thus far and no further. <sighs> that won't even work because now they're going to go back and read your emails from 13 years ago and you're still going to get fired. So may as well just stand with God Amen. and let the chips fall. Amen. Amen. Then he says in verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Say it out loud. Pastor, how can I change my life? By transforming your mind. By, by renewing your mind. You can transform your life by renewing your mind to the word of God. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we know the, word of, we know the will of God by the word of God. And when we don't know the word of God, we don't know the will of God. And, that, and people just stumble through life like, they, like they're blind. You know, they're just feeling their way along, groping their, their way along. They don't know. They don't know whether, should I, should I do this? Should I not do this? Should I marry him? Should I not marry him? Should I marry her? Should I not? They, they just don't have the mind of God because they don't have any word in them. But I'm here to testify, and I want to give glory to God that my Father God is my shepherd, and he led me into a good place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He led me beside the still waters. He led me into the green pastures. And, and, and he set before me a table in the presence of mine enemies. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he led me to this place. I give him the credit, the glory, and the honor. By his written word and by his spoken word, by his spirit, he has led me to this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as you know, we did not get here compromising. Now we're, we're not... When I say that... Don't think I'm talking about being unkind toward people. I'm not. I'm, I'm saying we, we, we never compromised the word of God. We never took a nickel from the government. We just believed God. And we got to this place. God's grace. God's grace. God's grace. We used to sing that song. God's grace. God's grace. God's grace. Hallelujah. And he led us to this fat place. It's not a thin place. Amen. There is a good kind of fat. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, there is a good kind of fat. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561. 3400 or send an email to info at Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you.
And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.